Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. I think it's safe to assume that all of our listeners at some point have experienced the social contagion that is so memorable, you may even get a physical reaction to the thought of it. The cringy awkwardness of one of the facets of the early preteen and teenage years, the middle school dance. The music is blasting, the lights are flashing, but to a completely void, lonely, and awkward dance floor. Who makes the first move? Who asks someone to dance? Who breaks the ice and just goes for it in the middle of the dance floor? This is a tug of war that middle schoolers experience the first half hour of every middle school dance to ever exist anywhere in the world. Okay, that that may be hyperbole, but you know what isn't exaggerated? The contagiousness of dance. And on this episode of The Missing Chapter, we look at one of the most bizarre occurrences in all of history. Dancing that breaks out into such a continued frenzy that people actually died into plague-like proportions. Oh, this is going to be a wild one, everyone. Get yourself a cup of coffee, and let's get into it. Welcome, everyone. I'm Phil Hornder here with Phil Schaff. We are your host for the Missing Chapter podcast. Phil, we are drinking Utica Coffee Roasting Company's Art of Darkness, which immediately made me think of the 1899 uh, Joseph Conrad book, Heart of Darkness, mm, which mm. is a nice history element to it. Um, but it's, boy, it's it's a dark, deep roasted coffee. Um, we've enjoyed this one throughout the winter already. Um, it's just, I don't know, the aroma's nice, the flavor's great. And it's very fitting because it's yeah. the middle of wintertime. We haven't seen the sun in like six weeks. Yeah. Something I, I, like that. that. You bring up a great point. I hope people who are listening um, around the country and, and in various parts of the, the world you're getting sun because we in upstate New York, we have not seen it in a while. No, very gray. Yes. So Overcast. art of darkness, it could yep. be more fitting. Very fitting. Cheers to the art of Cheers. darkness. And Cheers a great episode. You. Everyone at home, hopefully got your copies ready and ready to go. So Phil, this is one where there's, there's almost a humor element to it, but you oh, yeah. feel guilty thinking it's funny because yeah. very serious undertones, but it's so bizarre <laughs> and so kind of just random um that if you've never heard of this it might send you to google or or a, a reference book to look it up and say I, I need to know more about this or did this actually happen and i'm hoping that a lot of our episodes encourage our listeners to do that that'd be great you know what i mean like yep. how many times have you heard uh one of our you know 100 or so episodes that have said no that can't be true is that right and then do some googling of your own now, this is one of those, you're absolutely right, that it, it's kind of like a video where, you know, the videos where you know you're not supposed to laugh, where you're, it's like someone falling, obviously you want to make sure they're okay first, and then you have a good laugh, right? right? Or you do something silly, you hit your, you know, you stub your toe, it hurts for a second, then all of you just laugh hysterically because of how Taking joy in other people's pain, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I didn't want to say okay. it a lot, but you did, thank you yeah. so much for that. Okay, so... This uh, episode is based around what's called choreomania. Now, once again, I'm not trying to make light of some tragic situations. Of course, so you're not. forgive no. me if I 
go to the bizarre end of this, but it is a truly bizarre medieval phenomenon from Central Europe. Okay, it's also known as St. Vitus's dance. So here's what it involves. Spontaneous and continuous dancing by crowds of people until they collapse through exhaustion or worse, until death. Okay. So bizarre as it sounds, choreomania was regularly reported by eyewitnesses and was a genuine concern for authorities. So in some of my research, there are some, there are some, um, I don't know, scientists who go very, very technical and medical. Okay. There are historians that go the opposite direction and just give us the history of it. And then there was a, a few in between that I thought did a good job of giving the giving us the history as well as the science. So I'm going to read in kind of that scope. We, you know, I'm sure there's there's people out there that would like to go one way or the other. I'm going to go straight down the middle. Right, because you use the term dancing, and that's yes. a very fluid term. You can talk professional, like what you see on TV, Correct. versus maybe um, what I was doing at your wedding. Are they both <laughs> technically dancing? Yes. Are they two uh, different ends of the spectrum? Absolutely. So. <laughs> Your description of dancing, I think, is going to be a key component to all of this. All right. So one of the one of the pieces of research that I found was from the Lancelot.com. I thought this was this was a great or the Lancet, excuse me. Uh, this was a, a great combination of both medical and historian um, pieces that are just kind of mashed together. So mm-hmm. it says on Christmas Eve in 1021, all right, 18 people gathered outside a church in a German town and danced with wild abandon. The priest who is unable to perform mass because of the noise and irreverence from outside goes outside and orders them to stop. They not only ignored him, they held hands and danced in quote, ring dance of sin, hmm. clapping, leaping, chanting in unison. The enraged priest cursed them to dance for an entire year as a punishment for their outrageous activity and heresy. And guess what? It worked. Not until the following Christmas did the dancers regain control of their limbs exhausted and repentant they fell into a deep sleep some of them never awoke now this isn't a disney fairy tale you know you have to find the prince and kiss you and okay none of that this is a priest putting a curse on the people who were dancing outside of a a a mass and we're talking a calendar year calendar year an entire calendar year in 1021 um now if you want to go back to uh how we've change the calendar and so forth. That's a season one episode, I believe, but Mm -hmm. that's beside the point. So as wild as this seems, it has been chronicled. This story specifically, though, I I would say not really, quote, as confirmed as some of the other ones I'm going to give you. Uh, But I will give you some more examples just so you don't think I'm the crazy one, okay? Well, you, you probably already do think that. The first example seems to be either, you know, the genesis of the disease, let's call it, uh, or just an isolated incident altogether. However, choreomania as a whole, historically speaking, it seems to have been contagious, and let me tell you why. It seems like there's been unstoppable, and sometimes, as, as the example I gave you first, sometimes fatal dancing. Now, one of the examples I'll give you is in the German town of Erfurt in 1247. 200 people are said to have danced on a bridge over the Moselle River until it collapsed, drowning them all. Okay, I'll give you another example. June 1374, one of the uh, wildest and widest outbreaks began in Aachen, Germany. Once again, another German town before spreading to other places such as Cologne, Flanders, um, and later Italy, 1374. There were still outbreaks more than a century later. So remember, starting in 10, uh, what did I say? 1021, 
and moving our way up to 1374. Remember that first example of the, the priest? We don't know how confirmed right, right. that is. You know, it's a thousand years uh, earlier. But now we're back into some of the more, I would say, quote, modern times. History Extra does a really good job describing these bizarre outbreaks. So I'll, I'll, I'll try reading this mm-hmm. without laughing. Here we go. In Strasbourg uh, in July 1518, a woman by the name of Frau Trophea, I, hopefully I'm pronouncing the name right, began dancing in the street. Okay. So Frau at first, um, she attracted little attention from her neighbors as they went about their daily business. So probably just thought she was a little out there and uh, let, her, let her go. Okay. But that was about to change really quickly. She didn't dance to music, nor were her movements in any way restrained or self-conscious. Okay, so that paints a pretty good picture. Okay. Uh, instead, she danced with a type of madness. I'm sorry. That was apparently every bit as contagious as it was unstoppable. Uh, first, a trickle of onlookers joined the impromptu rave, then a flood. Within four days, you ready for this? Three, 33 others joined her. Within, within a month, she was accompanied by almost... 400 revelers dancing through the streets in a dizzying display of flailing limbs and spinning bodies, many of whom suffered heart attacks and died. Now, this one is 100% chronicled. Okay. This one is proven. So we're talking 1500s. Now, if we want to corroborate all these stories, dating back to 1021, Without these other stories, the one in 1021 may may not look as credible. Mm -hmm. Now, you put all these different stories together, it's starting to look like this is a legitimate thing. Your initial description of Frau had me immediately (laughs) thinking of the old adage, dance like nobody's watching. (laughs) And she's out there doing her thing. But people were watching. Just reckless abandon. Reckless abandon. (laughs) But it, it was contagious. And... I mean, what was the number you gave? How many people by the end were? 400. 400. You lose perspective on, on how many people 400 people is. I know. That's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Now, it's our entire school district right. has like 350 kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, all right. I Listen, and, and I once again, I don't want to make light of this situation because if this is a real ailment, let, let's not make light of it. However, this does go back to my intro where there's that awkward moment in every middle school dance. Yeah. Who's the one that goes out and like, forget this, I'm just going for it. And then they're wild abandoned, they're you know, abandoned for anything that that who cares what anyone else thinks. Mm-hmm. It kind of inspires everybody else to join in. I'm wondering if that's part of it, which we'll get into a little bit, but one chronicle states that this dancing fit killed for a brief period at least about 15 lives a day as men, women, and children danced in the punishing summer heat. It's been documented that thousands of people danced not out of sheer joy. But in agony for days or weeks, screaming of terrible visions and begging priests and monks to save their souls. I mean, out of control. So I I think this would indicate that this is not really voluntary, proving some of the hypotheses correct, that this is some sort of plague rather than, you know, like a social contagion. Right, right. right. So a few decades later, so we're talking probably close to the 1600s here, the abbot of a monastery near the city of Trier called, quote, uh, an amazing epidemic in which a collection of hallucinating dancers hopped and leaped for as long as six months, some of them dying after uh, breaking ribs. There were also several isolated cases during the 1500s and 1600s from Switzerland to the Holy Roman Empire of the mania, the choreomania, gripping an individual or an entire family. 
as strange as they may appear to us today, the events of, uh, the events of 1518 were not unique or isolated as we were beginning to see. So here's some more examples. Separate incidents between the 14th and 16th centuries are full of reports of people across Central Europe being seized. And that word right there, I think, is, is kind of all-encompassing. By a compulsion to dance, in doing so in their hundreds, sometimes until they drop dead from exhaustion. Some call it St. John's Dance due to the fact that people often called out to the name of John the Baptist as they danced. Onlookers were traumatized and clergy around Europe were in the least confused, which caused some backlash out of sheer fear. But what's the cause of this? This right. is what we're trying to get into. Like, how, how is this possible, number one? And if this is actually possible, then what the heck is causing it? There's got to be something historians and doctors can cite as a root cause of this. And we're going to find out after the break. Welcome back from the break. You're listening to The Missing Chapter. Okay, Phil, we, we kind of started this one off talking about the term dancing, yeah. all right? And you kind of, you, you left us hanging there. What we feel is, the, is really the reason behind, you know, what we saw at this point in history. Is this a matter of, is, is it mental? Is it physical? Is it a condition? Is this Kevin Bacon liberating a small Illinois town <laughs> from an age-old... <laughs> law saying they can't dance what do we accredit this to i'm curious that's the, that's the question is the overarching question is what the heck caused this right so let's break it down um author and podcaster helen carr from history extra i think she did an admirable job of describing the possible and probable causes so and by the way i think we should probably reach out to her maybe this could be a nice follow-up that's a so, great idea helen if you're listening um that'd be a great uh, opportunity but anyway i think she breaks it down in, in a multiple um, ways. And one of the ways is, is spiritual ways. So the, the first example I gave you was the first instance back in 1021 uh, was this idea that it was a demonic force that was maybe put on either um, by the people who are victimized by it, or mm -hmm. also maybe a demonic force that the, the priest gave as punishment, right? But either way, there was a spiritual aspect to this because following the dancing epidemic of 1374, nothing like that happened. On a, on a mass scale anyway that we know for more than a century. So the church at that point said, hey, it was its devotion and prayer and healing um, that had worked. And they said that many dancers who had succumbed to exhaustion or malnutrition, literally dancing themselves to death, had fallen victim to, to demonic forces. And that hundred year lull during that time period, the church was very much, they said at least, the cause of, of that, um, that healing. So some have claimed that they were members of a hysterical dancing cult, which, of course, you could say maybe is a, a, a mild mix of spiritual and social causes. Recently, though, scientists have increasingly sought to find an answer in environmental influences. Mm. So they've suggested that, that maybe some of the sufferers have ingested uh, ergot, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is a mold containing uh, psychotropic properties. And don't forget, this is the same thing that has long been in the discussion for causing the psychosis uh, that gripped Salem in 1692, which, of course, led to the Salem witch trials. But I think there's a problem with this theory, and, and Helen talks about this in her podcast. Um, it's the nature of the dance itself. Mm -hmm. So the fact that these dancers appeared to be completely disassociated with their bodies, they jumped and lurched as if in a trance, she says, and put themselves through rigors that not even marathon runners could endure, uh, suggest that the source of their affliction was more likely to be psychological than something they'd ingested. 
So I think now we're headed back towards the psychological aspect, the spiritual aspect. The River Rhine, I think, is a good example here. It's vulnerable to extreme floods. 14th century water rose to 34 feet, submerging and surrounding, uh, excuse me, the surrounding communities and leaving the disease and famine in its wake. In the decade prior to the outbreak of Coriomania in 1518, Strasbourg experienced plague, famine, uh, and a severe outbreak of syphilis. Of course, the Black Death ravaged the continent in the 1340s. So we're wondering maybe then if, I don't know, if all these cases here are just reactions, our physical bodies reacting from, I don't know, an utter despair. Because in all these cases, if you link all them together and look deep enough, historically speaking, you know, the, the circumstances surrounding all of these crazy events, it's, it's at a time of lethal plagues, wars, uh, environmental disasters, and of course, during this time period, low life expectancy as, as well. So we certainly can't discount the, the, the link between, you know, chorimania and extreme stress. Right. It's just your body just reacting to some of these traumas. Um, for now, though, I hate to do this. The true reason for the gathering of the choreomaniacs still remains a mystery. A missing chapter mystery. A missing chapter mystery. Because no aut autopsies were carried out. No medical science of that day could, I mean, hardly be described as advanced, right? Mm -hmm. um, we can only make guesses at the causes. I, I think some are more far-reaching and speculative than, than others, obviously. Some people even mentioned, I forgot to mention this earlier, that there was some kind of like skin infection or muscular inflammation leading to spasms. I, I, don't, I don't think that at all. I think uh, one of the one of the things we have to look into, though, is that that people would would violently scream in agony, which means that there was a will inside them that wanted to stop, but they just physically couldn't. And you talk about the duration this was going on. Physically, you would almost have to stop, right? It if it was voluntary, right? You know, from we, pure exhaustion. We have accounts of of people doing this for for months, families doing this for months on end, um, as well as an entire year in that, that original case um it, it's it's yet to be determined but I'm, I'm hoping that maybe some of our listeners could follow up and uh, email us or message us on anchor uh, with a voicemail to, to describe maybe some of the things that they've seen in in regards to the history involving these killer dance moves thank you for joining us and until next time I'm Phil Horander. And I'm Phil Schaff. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.